we'll take our Bibles to Acts chapter number 9. I realize I don't think that I updated the Scripture from last week uh, on there on the bulletin. Uh, Acts chapter number 9, but we'll start there in that text there. And a good group of kids this morning. Amen. Amen. We're going we're gonna to grab our Scripture from Acts chapter number 9. If you have been here, whether you have or haven't been here, kind of just give you the background a little bit, uh, just so we know where we're at. Uh, the Apostle, now the Apostle Paul, used to be called Saul, and in the Scripture his name is Saul. And uh, in, in the beginning chapter of chapter number 9, he is knocked off his horse, and God saves him. He sends him into Damascus to speak to a man named Ananias. And while he's in town and, and uh, learning from Ananias, he goes three days, three nights uh, without food and drink, and he's blind. And at the end of those three days, uh, God allows him to see, and then Ananias strengthens him with some food, and God got him some good uh, stuff in his belly to help him and, and gain his strength back after going three days without food. Uh, you, would have, uh, you would need strength. So he builds him back up and gives him strength. And last week, we talked about how he went into the synagogues. He went from there and uh, went immediately into the synagogues to preach to preach about Jesus. It is amazing to me that a, a man whose name was Saul uh, was, a, was with papers in his hand on his way to Damascus, and God saved him, and within four days, he was preaching Jesus in the synagogues. And, uh, and that's honestly and truly, if you're real, if you're real about this thing, that's what Jesus does when he saves you. It's an instant change. Uh, Jesus saves you, and the moment you pray and ask Christ to save you, you're done. It's a sealed deal. It's a, it's a done deal. It, there's not, it's not a gradual process, and salvation takes so, such and such. No, it happens immediately. Christ saves you. And that's exactly what took place for Saul. God saved him, and immediately he went right into the synagogues and started preaching. One, I think that I would encourage us to get busy for God. And uh, there's always a place to serve, always a place to do. And get busy for the Lord. But today, I want to talk to you about Barnabas and the encourager that he was. And I, we're going to take two different thoughts. I'm going to take two different points this morning. And then I'm going to give you one last thought in the, in the conclusion, if you will, about that specific thing. Uh, in Saul's life, he runs across a lot of different people. Saul is, becomes a missionary and he begins preaching all over the place. And Barnabas is one of those men that help him get his start. So if you will, you've got your Bible open to Acts chapter number 9. Let's go ahead and stand if you can, and we'll read together uh, just a couple of verses here. In verse number 22 is the very verses that we concluded with last week where he, be, he strengthened. Uh, the Bible says in verse number 22, but Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews which dwelt at Damascus, proving that this is, the very, this is very Christ. They understood that this was Christ because Saul had done a complete total change. Verse 23, now immediately watch what takes place. And after that, many days were fulfilled that the Jews took counsel to kill him and the disciples took him by night and let him down by the wall in a basket. 
And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples, and they were all afraid of him but, but, and believed not that he was a disciple. Uh, but, I like that but in there, but Barnabas... But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way. And that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. And he was going with them, coming in and going out at Jerusalem. And he spake boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Grecians, but they went about to slay him. Which when the brethren knew, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him forth to Tarsus. Lord, I know we've prayed a couple of times this morning, but I truly ask uh, that you'd use me this morning as we look at this text, as we look at these things that are going on. I pray, dear Lord, that you'd help us to be this type of Christian people. I love you, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Y'all may be seated. As we look at this text, I've got two simple, like I said, two simple thoughts. Um, there's as we make our way into the message. So they're trying to kill him. The Jews immediately turn on him and start killing him. Can you imagine your, your good friends, your good buddies? I mean, uh, I, I don't know. In my mind, this is how I picture it, okay? Uh, yesterday, we're fishing. And uh, we're catching fish together and things are going good. And, and, uh, and, and we leave that from fishing. And on the way home from fishing, uh, I get saved. And the next day, my friends want to kill me because they didn't like what I made the decision about getting saved. Now, I say this. Sometimes people may not agree with you and may not be on board with you when you get saved. You might have family that doesn't have, man, whatever. Yeah, you Just do your own thing. I, I have family that uh, I have family, my parents... Uh, they won't talk to my parents because they got saved. Uh, what does that have to do with you talking to me? What does that have to do with us being friends? Look, what happened was, is Saul got saved and he got the word of God and he went three days, three nights without food or water, spent some time with Jesus and spent some time with the disciple Ananias and he got up and he was no longer blind and he went right into the synagogue of his friends, of people that he knew uh, and began to preach and <clears throat> they wanted to kill him because he didn't like what he did, what he, what, what he, used, what he believes now. That Jesus rose from the dead. I didn't like it. And because of what took place of them trying to kill him, number one, we see in the message is the basket. Now, what happened? I, I don't know. I, I would like to know how big this basket was. Big enough for his whole body to get inside of that basket. Can you imagine with me? Uh, here it is. The, the, here it is. Kill Saul. All right, so who's hiding out, Saul? Well, wait a minute, let's scratch our heads. Five days ago, we were hiding from you, bud. I mean, <laughs> you think about that. 
Just a few days ago, we're hiding from this guy, and now we're hiding him. Hey, Saul, come here. Come here. Look, let's get you, let's get to the top of the wall. And back then, at that time period, just about all the cities had walls to protect them from people uh, attacking the city. But here it is, these Christians all got together. You get all a bunch of Christians together, normally you have a bunch of fighting going on. Well, I don't like this color, right? Or I don't like that color. You get a bunch of Christians picking out what color of carpet we have at church. We might would have a church split over it, you know? I've heard of things taking place like that. Or a potluck dinner. Yeah, or a potluck dinner and ain't nobody bringing no food. But look, and then, look as you get this together and, and they're bringing these folks together and they're trying to, hey, let's get this idea together. How are we going to get Saul from inside the city limits outside without him going through the gate? And somebody pipes up and says, well, no, well he could ride under the wagon when we go out. They say, what are you talking about? They, they get those mirrors under those wagons. We can't get him under there. And, and then someone else comes up with another idea. And another guy says, well, let's just put him in that basket. A basket? Are you crazy? We're going to put a 150-pound man in a basket and lower him over the wall? Uh, forget you, man. We'll come back. And they make their way around the room. They come back to that guy that suggested the basket. I guess we're stuck with your idea then. And they get Saul and they wrap this rope on this basket and they get him up to the top of the rope and top of the wall. In my mind, I feel like it took place when there was no light. Uh, there wasn't like a bunch of people outside. They had to do it secretively. They had to do it behind the backs of the Jews that wanted Saul dead. And so they all got this basket together and they put Saul in the basket and they lowered him down the wall. And as soon as his feet hit the ground, he took off running. Now, I, I, I see a couple different things with this basket. I see that the, all the Christians work together to put him in the basket. You know, uh, you know churches that preach just like us, that believe the King James Bible and believe in salvation by grace, by faith, uh, those churches, they're not our enemies. They should be our friends. We ought to go together with these guys and say, hey, hey, let's work together and work co corporatively to do the work for the Lord. Now, our missionaries that we support back there on the back wall, and there's letters up there of each one that's representative. You know, we don't support them uh, all the money they get. You know, we send them a few dollars. But another 50 or 60 other churches help support them to get them to the field. So that we can all work together so that we can accomplish the goal. What's the goal? What's the goal of our church? Uh, to fill it up? Uh, the goal of our church to have good potlucks? The goal of our church is to, is to make sure that the carpet's pretty and the, and the music's nice and the, and the air condition's good and we've got good, good padded pews. No, that's not the goal of the church. And though we do have nice things and we do have good carpet and we do have good padded pews and, and every once in a while there might be a good song that comes across the pulpit. But ultimately, it's about reaching people with the gospel. And that's the goal of the church. And if we're, if we're not joining together to get a hold of that rope to let the basket down every one and it takes every one of us holding on to that rope when they all got up there together you think that one guy was like I I'm setting this one out 
I don't want to get caught with that guy. I, I bet there was. Just like there'll be a few people that when, when the time comes to do some work or the time comes to give the gospel out, there'll be a few of you that won't go along with us. There will be. But then there'll be some of us. It's not going to take. How many people did it take to hold up that rope? He wasn't a big man, so it wouldn't took too many. <laughs> there had to be more than one. <laughs> the answer's all of them. Yeah. Now, me, it took it football For football. you, it would have took it the football team? <laughs> oh, Brother Alfred, come on. <laughs> what I'm just trying to get us to see is that it wasn't a one-man job. It wasn't a one-man job up there with the basket and tying it off and getting Saul in the basket and lowering him over the, over the wall and getting him on his way. It was a whole corporation group to get together. And it was going to take all of us to work together to get the gospel out. One, one individual holding on to the rope and getting that basket over the wall, that don't work out very good. It don't work out very good for the person in the basket. How abrupt would that stop be? It would have been for Saul if it would have just been one guy hanging, one little guy, one little gal hanging up there on the wall, you know, with the rope. It could have possibly happened, no doubt. But it worked a lot better when everybody was working together. It's just like the church. We can't all, hey, we, how many it takes? It takes all of us. Well, we can't be pulling against each other. They'll be pulling the same way. When they let him down in that basket, they all worked together and let him down. So he could run. So he he didn't have to hit the ground terribly. But that basket is important. I look at that basket as being the gospel. Realizing that when they let Saul over the wall, they released a missionary. If Saul... Does, does in the next few chapters, he begins to preach the gospel all over the world. But had they not let him down in a basket, it could have possibly never taken place. Well, that's not my idea. I'm not going along with it. But in church, so many times we've got, we've got this guy over here and this guy over here, and I ain't going to compromise. I ain't doing that. I ain't going there. I ain't going to say that. I ain't going to give that. I ain't going to do that because that's not my idea. We've got to work together corporatively in the church, and then we have to work together with people of churches of like faith to get the gospel out. Look, every church is not a church of like faith. You know that? There's churches out there that preach that Jesus is not the way to heaven. You've got to be baptized, and you've got to do this, and you've got to add on, and you've got to speak in tongues, and you've got to add on to your salvation. Look, hon, uh, there ain't nothing but Jesus. And that's the church of like faith is someone who believes that Jesus is the only way to heaven. A church of like faith is believes someone, someone who believes in this book. This is, the un, this is the infallible, undeniable word of God. There's nothing more and nothing less. This is God's book. This is God's book. Churches that believe just like us, hey, we ought to be able to incorporate with them to get the gospel out. 
Not only do I see that this basket, I see the basket, but then I also, number two, I see Barnabas. See, Barnabas played a, played a very important part in Saul's life. So Saul is dropped down in the basket, and he takes off running or walking. What I don't, I figure in my mind he's running, but he takes off down to Jerusalem. Well, when he gets down to Jerusalem, he wanted to join the church. He wanted to join the fellow believers. But the Bible says in this verse, in verse number 26, the Bible says, but they were all afraid of him. Can you imagine walking into church and you're wanting to join the church and everybody in the church is scared of you? One, we'd probably never go back, right? But everybody in the church, everybody of the brethren was scared of Saul. And for good reason. I mean, Saul was the one who locked him up. Saul was the one who'd killed him, no doubt. There's, there's reason in my mind for uh, not spiritually speaking that he was Saul. It wasn't like they were looking at his Facebook story and seeing that he had been over there preaching in the synagogues. It wasn't like that or they saw it in the newspaper or they saw it on some website somewhere. They had no idea that Saul had been saved and Saul had been preaching in the synagogues and the church helped him get over the wall. They didn't know any of that story because they just knew that Saul was the one who had the letter to go to Damascus to kill people. That's what he, they knew. And so when he came to church and he wanted to join himself up with the brethren, ah, no, 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 we're scared of you, man. Get out of here. We don't want any part of you. Because they didn't know. But, but here it is. Here he comes in. He wants to join. He wants to be with the brethren. And all of a sudden, Barnabas steps up and says, hey, wait a minute, guys. Wait a minute. I'll vouch for him. You ever had someone do that for you? I'll vouch for this guy. Got you a job when you probably was underqualified and he got you that job, he got you that place. I'll vouch for this guy. He'll do right or she'll do right. And they vouch for you. You know what? When someone vouches for you, man, you better make sure you hit it right. You better make sure that you're doing it exactly the way that they said you would, right? I got to know everything they said I would. What did they say I knew? <laughs> Can you imagine? I mean, this is what took place as Barnabas stands up and he says, wait a minute, guys. He said, let me tell you about him. He said, let me tell you about him. And Barnabas in verse number 27, and but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. Here he is. He's got Saul standing here. It's like if I was to bring him up in front of everybody and say, okay, guys, listen up. And they told him, and they declared unto them that he had seen the Lord in the way. He saw God. He saw the Lord. And he preached in Damascus in the name of Jesus. Barnabas was able to do that for Saul. And what happened to him? The Bible says, verse number 28, and he was with them. Who is them? That's the group of believers. That's the church. He was with them because Barnabas stood up and said, Hey, wait a minute, guys. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hey, he he saw the Lord in the way. And he was down there in Damascus preaching boldly. I don't know who Barnabas knew. I don't know if, if they had written letters back and forth. or I don't have any idea. But Barnabas knew 
that Saul had been preaching and had Saul had gotten saved. And Saul immediately joined with them. I look at Saul as Barnabas being the encourager. Later on, we'll see in the scripture where Barnabas and Saul begins to go on missionary journeys. Later, the Bible begins to call him Paul. Paul and Barnabas go on missionary journeys together. And then all of a sudden, Barnabas and Saul, or Paul, they get in a, a tiff. They get in, upset at each other. Barnabas wants to take John Mark on the next missionary journey. And Paul doesn't want John Mark going on the missionary journey because the last time John Mark came, he quit. And I ain't taking quitters with me is basically what takes place. And Paul says... He ain't coming with me. You can take him, but I ain't going with him. Paul and Barnabas split. Well, the Bible tells us and teaches us that Barnabas goes down and he gets John Mark. I don't know what he does with John Mark, but he spends time with him. And he gets John Mark back on his feet because later on in the epistles, when, when Paul is writing an epistle, later on in the New Testament, Paul says this statement. He says, and bring John Mark because he's profitable for the ministry. Mm-hmm. Now, if I remember, Paul and Barnabas split because he didn't want no part of John Mark. Now, how in the world does Paul make a statement that says, hey, bring John Mark with you because he's profitable for the ministry was because he, John Mark, had a Barnabas who went down to him and encouraged him and strengthened him and got him where he needed to be. Saul had a Barnabas who stood up and said, wait a minute, guys. He said, I've heard about him. He saw Jesus in the way. He's preaching boldly. Let's get behind him. Sometimes we need a Barnabas to encourage us. Hey, come on. Let's go. But let me tell you this, not only do we need, sometimes I need a Barnabas, but sometimes I need to be a Barnabas. I've always heard, well, when someone's down, you kick them even harder, right? That's not what you do, Brother Alex, is it? That's not what you've heard? No. Brother Alex, what I've heard is that that's not what you're supposed to do. And if someone's down, and someone's discouraged, and someone's disheartened, do you know what they need? They don't need somebody in their kicking dirt in their face. They need a Barnabas to come beside them and say, hey, let me encourage you. Let's trust in the Lord. Let's rely on Him. Let me be an encouragement to you. So can I tell you this morning is that as Christians, we need to be encouraging each other and strengthening each other. And that's why we have church and that's why we gather together is so that when we leave here, we're encouraged courage, we're strengthened, and we're ready to go. That's why I'm not going to preach politics in the pulpit. That's why I'm not going to preach certain things in the pulpit because we don't need to be drugged down. It's already enough. We already deal with enough negative out there in the world. We need positive. And we need to be encouraged. 
when we come to the house of God. You live all week listening to negative and negative and negative. You listen to any news source. I don't care who they are. Fox News or not. It's negative. It's negative. When we come to God's house, we, need to, we don't need to hear the negative. There's enough of the negative. We know judgment's coming. We know sin is wrong and it's wicked and we ought not live that way. But we need to hear the positive and be encouraged when we leave God's house. And if it so happens, I preach against sin, I preach against sin. And if it so happens that it's your sin, well, I'm not going to apologize for it. But I want you to know, I've got your back. And I want to encourage you. I want to strengthen you. That's what we're here for. How was John Mark profitable for the ministry outside of Barnabas going down and saying, look, I know Paul and I didn't see eye to eye, but let me help you. And picked him up and encouraged him and got him back on his feet so that Paul could say the words that he's profitable. Sometimes we need to be Encouraged. There's a song that says, Everybody's going through something. Everybody faces a storm. I don't know the storms in your life. Some people I might know because you've told me something. But I may not know everything that you're going through. But can I try to just encourage you to stay in? To stay at it? To keep going? I heard a preacher say this once. He said, be nice to everybody. Because everybody is having a, 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 there could be somebody having a tough day. That waiter or waitress that you lost your mind on because she was not paying attention to you the best, she might be struggling with something in her personal life. Or that Christian that barely makes it to church on time, man, I mean, I wish that they would, whatever. Maybe they might be struggling too. Look at the way they're dressed, right? Look, did you see how she came to church today? Or he came to church today. Everybody's going through something. Let's be Barnabas. Let's have a church full of people that just simply want to encourage each other. I'm not a Debbie Downer. I'm not going to be. Tough times. Absolutely. You'll go through them. If you're not going through them now, you'll go through them. Difficult times, you'll face them. And though going through those difficult times and going through those times where it's difficult and discouraging and disappointing and all those other words you want to throw in there, we need somebody to encourage us. When they put 
Saul in the basket that brought him to Barnabas, who said, wait a minute, guys. Do you know what he could have said? Get this guy out of here. He threw my cousin in jail. He killed my niece. Yeah. There ain't no telling what he could have said. But he stood up and said, no. Hey, I heard him. I heard. He got saved. Not only did I hear that he got saved, but I heard that he was down there preaching in Damascus. So one, I tell you this, and I'm, I'm done. Let's be an encouragement to other people. Let's be an encouragement to other people. Who do you know personally that's going through a tough time in their life right now? What can you do to be an encouragement to them? Even a simple little note that says, I care. One of the things I remember hearing in Bible college about um, pastoring and, and, and being a youth pastor and things like that, one of the things they said, people don't want to know how much you, people don't want to know how much you know until they know how much you care. It's hard to listen to someone that doesn't care about you. Who are you caring for? Who, who do you encourage? Even a simple little text or a phone call can be an encouragement to somebody. We need to major on that. Being encouragement to other people. Let's pray. Lord, I love you. Lord, I pray that you'd help me to be the encourager I need to be. Help me, Lord, to be the Christian I need to be. I thank you so much for everyone that is here. I thank you for our salvation. I pray.